0: SECTION 37 OF THE FOURTH NATIONAL CLIMATE ASSESSMENT, VOLUME 2, BY USGCRP. THIS SLEEPERVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. RECORDING BY WARREN CAUTIE, GURNEY, ILLINOIS. FREQUENTLY ASKED QUESTIONS ECOLOGICAL EFFECTS QUESTION. WHAT CAUSES GLOBAL SEA LEVEL RISE? AND HOW WILL IT AFFECT COASTAL AREAS IN THE COMING CENTURY? Short answer. Global sea level is rising, primarily in response to two factors. One, thermal expansion of ocean waters, and two, melting of land based ice, both due to climate change. Thermal expansion refers to the physical expansion, or increase in volume, of water as it warms. Melting of mountain glaciers and the antarctic and greenland ice sheets contribute additional water to the oceans thereby raising global average sea level global average sea level has risen 7 to 8 inches since 1880 and about 3 inches of that has occurred since 1993 sea level rise will increasingly contribute to high tide flooding and intensify coastal erosion over the coming century? Long answer. At any given location, the situation is more complicated because other factors come into play. For example, coastlands are rising in some places and sinking in others due to both natural causes, such as tectonic shifts, and human activities, such as groundwater or hydrocarbon extraction. Where coastlands are rising as fast as or faster than, sea level, relative local sea level may be unchanged or decreasing. Where coastlands are sinking, called subsidence, relative local sea level may be rising faster than the global average, figure A5.25. See also chapter 23, Southern Great Plains. Other variables can influence relative sea level locally including natural climate variability patterns, for example, El Niño slash La Niña events, and regional shifts in wind and ocean current patterns. Global sea level rise is already affecting the U.S. coast in many locations. Chapter 8. Coastal. High tide flooding, with little or no storm effects, also referred to as nuisance, sunny day, or recurrent flooding, Coastal erosion, and beach and wetland loss are all increasingly common due to decades of local relative sea level rise. Chapter 19 Southeast. Sea level is expected to continue rising at an accelerating rate this century under either a lower or higher scenario, RCP 4.5 or RCP 8.5, increasing the frequency of high tide flooding intensifying coastal erosion and beach and wetland loss, and causing greater damage to coastal properties and structures due to stronger storm surges. Chapter 18. Northeast. Chapter 8. Coastal. Relative local sea level rise projections can be visualized at https colon double backslash coast gov backslash digital coast backslash tools backslash slr.html. dot html question how does global warming affect arctic sea ice cover short answer the arctic region has warmed by about three point six degrees fahrenheit since nineteen hundred double the rate of the global temperature increase consequently Sea ice cover has declined significantly over the last four decades. In the summer and fall, sea ice area has dropped by 40 percent, and sea ice volume has dropped 70 percent relative to the 1970s and earlier. Decline in sea ice cover plays an important role in Arctic ecosystems, ultimately impacting Alaska residents. Long answer. Arctic sea ice today is in the most reduced state since satellite measurements began in the late 1970s, and the current rate of sea ice loss is also unprecedented in the observational record. Figures A5.26 and A5.27. See also Chapter 2, Climate. Arctic sea ice cover is sensitive to climate change, because strong self-reinforcing cycles positive feedbacks are at play as sea ice melts more open ocean is exposed open ocean a dark surface absorbs much more sunlight than sea ice a reflective white surface that extra absorbed sunlight leads to more warming locally which in turn melts more sea ice creating a positive feedback. Chapter 2. Climate Annual average Arctic sea ice extent has decreased between 3.5% and 4.1% per decade since the early 1980s, has become thinner by 4.3 to 7.5 feet, and has started melting earlier in the year. September sea ice extent when the Arctic sea ice is at a minimum, has decreased by 10.7% to 15.9% per decade since the 1980s. Scientists project sea ice-free summers in the Arctic by the 2040s. Figure A5.27, see Chapter 26, Alaska. Arctic sea ice plays a vital role in Arctic ecosystems. Changes in the extent, duration, and thickness of sea ice, along with increasing ocean temperature and ocean acidity, alter the distribution of Alaska fisheries and the location of polar bears and walruses, all of which are important resources for Alaska residents, particularly coastal native Alaska communities. Chapter 26 Alaska Winter sea ice may keep forming in a warmer world, but it could be much reduced compared to the present. See Taylor et al. 2017 for more details. Question. Is Antarctica losing ice? What about Greenland? Short answer. Yes. Overall, the ice sheets of both Greenland and Antarctica, the largest areas of land-based ice on the planet, are losing ice as the atmosphere and oceans warm this ice loss is important both as evidence that the planet is warming and because it contributes to rising sea levels long answer the antarctic ice sheet is up to three miles deep and contains enough water to raise sea level about 200 feet because antarctica is so cold There is little melting of the ice sheet, even in summer. However, the ice flows towards the ocean, where above freezing ocean water speeds up the melting process, which breaks the ice into free-floating icebergs, a process called calving. Melting, calving, and the flow of ice into the oceans around Antarctica, especially on the Antarctic Peninsula, have all accelerated in recent decades and the result is that antarctica is losing about 100 billion tons of ice per year contributing about 0.01 inch per year to sea level rise figure a5.28 while there has been slight growth in some parts of the antarctic ice sheet the gain is more than offset by ice mass loss Elsewhere, especially in West Antarctica and along the Antarctic Peninsula. The West Antarctic ice sheet, which contains enough ice to raise global sea level by 10 feet, is likely to lose ice much more quickly if its ice shelves disintegrate. Additionally, warming oceans under the ice sheet are melting the areas where ice sheets go afloat in West Antarctica exacerbating the risk of more rapid melt in the future. Greenland contains only about one-tenth as much ice as the Antarctic ice sheet. But if Greenland's ice sheet were to entirely melt, global sea level would still rise about 20 feet. For additional information on the impacts of sea level rise on the United States directly, see Chapter 8 Coastal, Chapter 18 Northeast, Chapter 19 Southeast and Chapter 20 U.S. Caribbean. Annual surface temperatures in Greenland are warmer than Antarctica, so melting occurs over large parts of the surface of Greenland's ice sheet each summer. Greenland's melt area has increased over the past several decades. Figure A5.28. The Greenland ice sheet is presently thinning at the edges. Especially in the south, and slowly thickening in the interior, increasing the steepness of the ice sheet, which has sped up the flow of ice into the ocean over the past decade. This trend will likely continue as the surrounding ocean warms. Greenland's ice loss has increased substantially in the past decade, losing ice at an average rate of about 269 billion tons per year from April 2012 to April 2016 contributing over 0.02 inch per year to sea level rise question how does climate change affect mountain glaciers short answer glacier retreat is one of the most important lines of evidence for global warming around the world glaciers in most mountain ranges are receding at unprecedented rates. Many glaciers have disappeared altogether this century, and many more are expected to vanish within a matter of decades. Glaciers will still be around within the next century, but they will be more isolated, closer to the poles, and at higher elevations. Long answer. Glaciers are critical freshwater reservoirs, that slowly release water over warmer months, which helps sustain freshwater stream flows that provide drinking and irrigation water, as well as hydropower to downstream communities. However, increasing temperatures and decreasing amounts of precipitation falling as snow are major drivers of glacial retreat. See Chapter 2 Climate, Chapter 22 Northern Great Plains chapter 24 northwest chapter 26 alaska glaciers retreat when melting and evaporation outpace the accumulation of new snow slope altitude ice flow location and volume also contribute to the speed and extent of glacial retreat which complicates the relationship between increasing temperature and glacial melt Due to these local factors, not all glaciers globally are retreating. For example, melting may slow as the glaciers retreat to the upper slopes, under headwalls and steep cliffs, and into more shaded areas. In recent decades, the mountains of Glacier National Park, GNP, in Montana, have experienced an increase in summer temperatures and a reduction in the winter snowpack that forms the mountain glaciers. The annual average temperature in GNP has increased by 2.4 degrees Fahrenheit since 1900. Spring and summer minimum temperatures have risen, and the percentage of precipitation that comes as rain, rather than snow, has increased. Mountain snowpacks now hold less water than they used to, and have begun to melt at least two weeks earlier in the spring. This earlier melting alters glacier stability, as well as downstream water supplies, with implications for wildlife, agriculture, and fire management. In a recent study, scientists looked at 39 glaciers in and around GNP, and compared aerial photos and digital maps from 1966 to 2016. Currently, only 26 glaciers are bigger than 25 acres, the minimum size used for defining a glacier. When GNP was established early in 1910, it is estimated that there were 150 glaciers larger than 25 acres. Long-term studies of glacier size have shown that the rate of melting Has fluctuated in response to decade long climate cycles, and that the melting rate has risen steeply since about 1980. Over the next 30 years, glaciologists project that most glaciers in GNP will melt to a point where they are too small to be active glaciers, and some may disappear completely. All glaciers in the park are under severe threat of completely melting by the end of the century question how are the oceans affected by climate change short answer the oceans have absorbed over ninety per cent of the excess heat energy and more than twenty five per cent of the carbon dioxide co two that is trapped in the atmosphere as a result of human produced greenhouse gases GHGs. Due to this increase in GHGs in the atmosphere, all ocean basins are warming and experiencing changes in their circulation and seawater chemistry, all of which alter ecosystem structure and marine biodiversity. Long answer The world's oceans have been and will continue to be impacted by climate change more than fifty per cent of the world's marine ecosystems are already exposed to conditions temperature oxygen salinity and ph that are outside the normal range of natural climate variability and this percentage will rise as the planet warms chapter nine oceans global warming will alter the ability of species to survive and can reorganize ecosystems, creating novel habitats and or reducing biodiversity. Some species are responding to increased ocean temperatures by shifting their geographic ranges, generally to higher latitudes, or altering the timing of life stages, for example, spawning, figure A five point two nine, see chapter seven Ecosystems, chapter eighteen northeast. Other species are unable to adapt as their habitats deteriorate, for example, due to loss of sea ice, or the rate of climate related changes occurs faster than they can move, for example, in the case of sessile organisms, such as oysters and corals. Physical changes to the ocean system will also occur. Observations and projections suggest that in the next 100 years the gulf stream part of the larger ocean conveyor belt could slow down as a result of climate change which could increase regional sea level rise and alter weather patterns along the u s east coast in addition to causing changes in temperature precipitation and circulation increasing atmospheric levels of co2 have a direct effect on ocean chemistry the oceans currently absorb about a quarter of the ten billion tons of co2 emitted to the atmosphere by human activities every year dissolved co2 reacts with seawater to make it more acidic this acidification impacts marine life such as shellfish and corals making it more difficult for these calcifying animals to make their hard external structures. Chapter 8 Oceans Chapter 24 Northwest. Over the last fifty years, inland seas, estuaries, and coastal and open oceans have all experienced major oxygen losses. A warmer ocean holds less oxygen. Warming also changes the physical mixing of ocean waters, for example, upwelling and circulation, and can interact with other human induced changes. For example, fertilizer runoff entering the Gulf of Mexico through the Mississippi River can stimulate harmful algal blooms. These blooms eventually decay, creating large dead zones of water with very low oxygen where animals cannot survive warmer conditions slow down the rate at which this oxygen can be replaced exacerbating the impact of the dead zone these are just a few of the changes projected to occur as detailed in chapter nine oceans question what is ocean acidification and how does it affect marine life Short answer. The oceans currently absorb more than a quarter of the 10 billion tons of carbon dioxide, CO2, released annually into the atmosphere from human activities. CO2 reacts with seawater to form carbonic acid. So more dissolved CO2 increases the acidity of ocean waters. When seawater reaches a certain acidity, it eats away at or corrodes the shells and skeletons made by shellfish, corals and other species or impedes the ability of organisms to grow them in the first place long answer since the beginning of the industrial revolution the acidity of surface ocean waters has increased approximately thirty per cent The oceans will continue to absorb CO2 produced by human activities, causing acidity to rise further. Figure A5.30. Ocean waters are not acidifying at the same rate around the globe, largely due to differences in ocean temperature. Warmer, low latitude waters naturally hold less CO2 and therefore tend to be less acidic. Colder, High latitude waters naturally hold more CO2, have increased acidity, and are closer to the threshold where shells and skeletons tend to corrode. Coastal and estuarine waters are also acidified by local phenomena, such as freshwater runoff from land, nutrient pollution, and upwelling. In the past five years, Scientists have found that the shells of small planktonic snails, called pteropods, are already partially dissolved in locations where ocean acidification has made ocean waters corrosive, such as in the Pacific Northwest and near Antarctica. Pteropods are an important food source for Pacific salmon, so impacts to pteropods could cause changes up the food chain acidification has also affected commercial oyster hatcheries in the pacific northwest where acidified waters impaired the growth and survival of oyster larvae chapter twenty four northwest because marine species vary in their sensitivity to ocean acidification scientists expect some species to decline and others to increase in abundance in response to this environmental change relative changes in species performance can ripple through the food web reorganizing ecosystems as the balance between predators and prey shifts and habitat forming species increase or decline habitat forming species such as corals and oysters that grow by using minerals from the seawater to build mass are particularly vulnerable. It is difficult to predict exactly how ocean acidification will change ecosystems. Scientists and managers are now using computer models to project potential consequences to fisheries, protected species, and habitats. See Chapter 9, Oceans, for more details. Question how do higher carbon dioxide concentrations affect plant communities and crops short answer plant communities and crops respond to higher atmospheric carbon dioxide concentrations in multiple ways some plant species are more responsive to changes in carbon dioxide than others which makes projecting changes difficult at the plant community level For approximately 95% of all plant species, an increase in carbon dioxide represents an increase in a necessary resource and could stimulate growth, assuming other factors like water and nutrients are not limiting and temperatures remain in a suitable growing range. Long answer. Along with water, nutrients, and sunlight, carbon dioxide CO2, is one of four resources necessary for plants to grow. At the level of a single plant, all else being equal, an increase in CO2 will tend to accelerate growth because of accelerated photosynthesis. But a plant's ability to respond to increased CO2 may be limited by soil nutrients. Exactly how much growth stimulation will occur varies significantly from species to species. However, the interaction between plants and their surrounding environment complicates the relationship. As CO2 increases, some species may respond to a higher degree and become more competitive, which may lead to changes in plant community composition. For example, loblolly pine and poison ivy both grow in response to elevated co2 however poison ivy responds more and becomes more competitive the expected effects of increased co2 in agricultural plants are in line with these same patterns some crops that are not experiencing stresses from nutrients water or biotic stresses such as pests and disease are expected to benefit from co2 increases in terms of growth however the quality of those crops can suffer as rising levels of atmospheric co2 can decrease dietary iron and other micronutrients chapter fourteen human health plants often become less water stressed as CO2 levels increase because high atmospheric CO2 allows plants to photosynthesize with lower water losses and higher water use efficiencies. The magnitude of the effect varies greatly from crop to crop. However, for many crops in most U.S. regions, the benefits will likely be mostly or completely offset by increased stresses, such as higher temperatures, worsening air quality, and decreased ground moisture. Chapter 10, Ag and Rural. If crops and weeds are competing, then rising CO2, in general, is more likely to stimulate the weed than the crop, with negative effects on production unless weeds are controlled. Controlling weeds, however, is slightly more difficult as rising co2 can reduce the efficacy of herbicides through enhanced gene transfer between crops and weedy relatives downstream impacts of rising co2 on plants can be significant increasing co2 concentrations provide an opportunity for cultivators to select plants that can exploit the higher CO2 conditions and convert it to additional seed yield. However, an area of emerging science suggests that rising CO2 can reduce the nutritional quality, protein and micronutrients, of major crops. In addition, rising CO2 can reduce the protein concentration Of pollen sources for bees. Climate change also influences the amount and timing of pollen production. Increased CO2 and temperature are correlated with earlier and greater pollen production and a longer allergy season. Chapter 13 Air Quality. Please see Chapter 10, Ag and Rural, Chapter 6, Forests, and Ziska et al. 2016 for more information on how climate change affects crops and plants. Question. Is climate change affecting U.S. wildfires? Short answer. It is difficult to determine how much of a role climate change has played in affecting recent wildfire activity in the United States. However, climate is generally considered to be a major driver of wildfire area burned. Over the last century, wildfire area burned in the mountainous areas of the western United States was greater during periods of low precipitation, drought, and high temperatures. Increased temperatures and drought severity with climate change will likely lead to increased fire area burned in fire-prone regions of the United States. Long answer. Climate is a major determinant of vegetation composition and productivity, which directly affect the type, amount, and structure of fuel available for fires. Climate also affects fuel moisture and the length of the season when fires are likely. Higher temperatures and lower precipitation result in lower fuel moisture making fire spread more likely when an ignition occurs if fuel is available in mountainous areas higher temperatures lower snowpack and earlier snow melt lead to a longer fire season lower fuel moisture and higher likelihood of large fires forest management practices are also a factor in determining the likelihood of ignition as well as fire duration extent and intensity chapter six forests long records of fire provided by tree ring and charcoal evidence show that climate is the primary driver of fire on time scales ranging from years to millennia during the twentieth century in the western united states warm and dry conditions in spring and summer generally led to greater area burned in most places, particularly more mountainous and northerly locations. Figure A5.31. The frequency of large forest fires, greater than 990 acres, has increased since the 1970s in the northwest 1,000 percent and northern Rocky Mountains 889 percent followed by forests in the southwest 462 percent southern rocky mountains 274 percent and sierra nevada 256 percent dry forests in these regions account for about half of the total forest area burned since 1984. Globally the length of the fire season the time of year when climate and weather conditions are conducive to fire, has increased by 19 percent between 1979 and 2013, and it has become significantly longer over this period in most of the United States. With climate change, higher temperatures and more severe drought will likely lead to increased area burned in many ecosystems of the western and southeastern united states by the mid 21st century annual area burned is expected to increase 200% to 300% in the contiguous western united states and 30% in the southeastern united states over time warmer temperatures and increased area burned can alter vegetation composition and productivity which in turn Affect fire occurrence. In arid regions, vegetation productivity may decrease sufficiently that fire will become less frequent. In other regions, climate may become less of a limiting factor for fire, and fuels may become more important in determining fire severity and extent. In a warmer climate, wildfire is expected to be a catalyst for ecosystem change in all fire-prone ecosystems. Question, does climate change increase the spread of mosquitoes or ticks? Short answer, yes. Climate change can contribute to the spread of mosquitoes and ticks. A warmer climate enhances the suitability of habitats that were formerly too cold to support mosquito and tick populations thus allowing these vectors and the diseases they transmit to invade new areas long answer mosquitoes and ticks are dependent on external sources for body heat thus they develop from egg to adult more quickly under warmer conditions producing more generations in a shorter time Warming also speeds up population growth of the parasites and pathogens that mosquitoes transmit, including the agents of Zika virus, dengue fever, West Nile virus, and malaria, as well as the rate at which mosquitoes bite people and other hosts. Additionally, warmer conditions facilitate the spread of mosquitoes by increasing the length of the growing season And by decreasing the likelihood of winter die offs due to extreme cold. Chapter 14 Human Health Black legged deer ticks are the main vector or transmitter of Lyme disease in the United States. These ticks require a minimum number of days above freezing to persist. As a result, some northern and high elevation areas cannot be invaded because the warm season is too short to allow each life stage to find an animal host before it needs to retreat underground. But as higher latitude and higher altitude areas continue to warm, black-legged ticks may expand their range northward and higher in elevation. Figure A5.32. See also Chapter 14, Human Health. Studies show that ticks emerge earlier in the spring under warmer conditions, suggesting that the main Lyme disease season will move earlier in the spring. Thus, earlier onset of warm spring conditions and warm summers and falls increase the establishment and resilience of tick populations. End of section 37 End of Fourth National Climate Assessment, Volume Two, Impacts, Risks, and Adaptation in the United States by U.S.G.C.R.P.